Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, and welcome to Unabridged. We are discussing slash debating today <laughs> about the classics and where we stand on reading them, teaching yeah, them. We did not decide them. that part like ahead of time. Reading them. Reading them. Okay, we also could touch on teaching, teaching them. Because I guess, I, yeah, I, I would say that I'm decidedly neutral on this, but I also have a stronger stance on it as far as teaching. But mm-hmm. we can talk about that. All right, so ready, set, debate. <laughs> Did you like that setup there? I gave <laughs> you all that to work that with. Good. Okay, so, so the classics, read them or don't? <laughs> well... <laughs> I could do a take three. <laughs> <laughs> do we uh, a new prompt? Well, I guess for me, what I think is that when I, it, the de- definition of what you define as a classic, that matters. Mm-hmm. So while I like more contemporary classics, like To Kill a Mockingbird or I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. That might be the only one, friends. That might be the only one I've read. (laughs) Well, I always, I haven't read, but I feel like, like, their eyes were watching God. Mm -hmm. I think that is, I, and I've, I think that I'm going to really like that one, but I haven't read it, so I feel like I can't, you know, comment on it. But I think those types are different than, like, Austin or Bronte. And those, to me, are really hard to access, and they just seem really stuffy. And really boring <laughs> for me as a reader. I have tried. I tried to restart Emma last summer, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a snooze!" And so <laughs> I told, I put it back. I'm like, I am not suffering through this, and for the summer, just to say that I've read it. So that's how I feel. And then I guess we can talk about it in the classroom because I have even stronger opinions about that. So I like all of them and I don't read them now as often as I used to just because we've had that conversation about hard books and when you're trying to read a large volume of books I do think often they take more time because they are more difficult and there's more to delve into there but yeah I like like I like the Victorians and so I think Dickens is really funny and I like some classic American like I love Grapes of Wrath. I love, y'all know, I love The Great Gatsby. (laughs) And I do think there are a lot of books that have had, like, I I think they almost had to work to be considered part of the canon. So I thought of it like there as we're watching God, or I think about Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison that I think is absolutely brilliant. And I think what I find when I read and reread classics, which I did a lot because I taught a lot of them, is that... I found something new every time I went back to them. And so I think there's a depth there that I think some books just aren't meant to have. And so I always think about Roger Ebert, who was a movie critic, of course, but he said, you approach books and see whether they do what they're supposed to do. So I don't think every book has to be built for rereading, but I think a lot of those really are. And so that's one thing I love about them. So, Yeah, I like I said, I'm decidedly neutral. I think that... I, I just don't seek them out, but mm-hmm. I, I do think, and yeah, we could talk about that with the teaching. When I think about 
the way that I was exposed to them early on, I think that probably is part of what colored mm. colored them in a negative light for me, actually. And so it is interesting to think about. I mean, like, a lot of the ones you listed, Jenna, I really like, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, I think I loved teaching their eyes were watching God. I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, even The Great Gatsby, I didn't absolutely love teaching. But I do love that book. Mm-hmm. I I love Invisible Man, mm-hmm. though that's quite difficult for yes. high school level, even AP. Mm-hmm. It would be really challenging for kids. But, I mean, I think – so I think there's, like, great literature out there. Excuse me. But then there's ones like – like, I finally read Pride and Prejudice. I'm, I don't know that I've ever read any of Austin's mm-hmm. stuff. And I and I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I liked it in an it's fine kind of mm-hmm. way. And I, th- <laughs> I think I expected to have a stronger reaction <laughs> of one kind or another. Yeah. Now, we did do – I read The Great Expectations. I read Great Expectations when I was in high school. And I did love that. That mm-hmm. really resonated with me. And I think that I enjoyed the language. I mean, I remember I wrote down all these quotes from it. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that it was different from a lot of the other things that we read. But I feel like it's hard when there's so many books out there and Mm -hmm. there are so many that I want to read that are speaking to our experience right now. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to make time for those. And for a while, I thought that I would try to sort of plug them in Mm -hmm. as I go along. And I think that is a good strategy. (laughs) But it's really hard to do. Because like Pride and Prejudice, I was like, oh, this is fine. But it wasn't this amazing I don't know I don't know I don't I expected more than what I got I think out of it and so it wasn't this amazing experience that then prompted me to read all of her Mm -hmm. work whereas I think that's kind of maybe what I need is an experience where it's like oh yeah this is this is enriching in a way that another book is not Mm -hmm. and that would compel me to read more of them whereas I just feel like the ones that I haven't already read I don't know when I'm going to get to them. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I am a very slow reader. I'm a slow reader when it comes to a contemporary book mm-hmm. and those are really hard and you have to be paying attention and you have to read all these. And and I don't particularly like contemporary books that are, are, are like being written now that are set in a Victorian period. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that is not my, mm-hmm. my cup of tea. So I think that the books that I did like that are considered cra- classics are more, set like much further along in history mm-hmm. than the Victorian era mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. And I mean I liked East of Eden by uh, and that's a tough book. I love but that book so much. I yes. did skip a lot of the scenery description, <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> I got the point. Um but I did love that book. I mean I think that it that Kate is one of the most mm-hmm. interesting and fantastic villains ever written. I mean I think that so I I mean there are books that I do like and enjoy. It's just it's just that certain period of like the women in the frilly dresses and carrying a parasol and stuff. That just does not appeal to me. I just don't like those types of I don't mm-hmm. like the I don't just don't like that. I do like a Christmas carol and yeah. I yeah, so I do like that. I, I like Christmas stories that are set in that era, but not just the day to day. So well, I think it's hard to talk about this because I think in my head, even as I'm saying these things, I'm getting mixed up. Like when I said the thing about Invisible Man having to work its way into being called a classic, what I mean is the canon. Yeah. And uh-huh. so then I think that gets really messy as, you know, who's deciding what the canon is? Like, yeah. why do I consider some of those books canon and who is making that call? So I think I am not being super precise 
in my use of classics. So well, and I that's think hard. For, for me, the th- I never would have considered To Kill a Mockingbird a classic, mm. but then I'm like, maybe it is a Mockingbird yeah. classic. Or same with say. Their Eyes Are Watching God. Uh, but when I think about classics, like when someone tells me, do you like to read the classics? I think of like Austin, Bronte, mm-hmm. Dickens. I think of those. And, you know, there's others. But like I think of those books and I feel like they are really unrelatable to me. And so that's why, I mean, and I don't even like to watch the movies mm-hmm. about those things. You know, I just, it's just not my cup of tea, so. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I think there was a time where I enjoyed it for the sake of, it's like I felt like I needed to read them to be educated or smart well, and, or something. And I think once I let go of that, it's hard to motivate myself to do it. Like if yes. I'm not doing it because of some grandiose idea then I'm not sure that I would enjoy any of them in their own right Mm -hmm. enough to do it and that's kind of where I am yeah well I mean I think that I that's why I started to read Emma last year is because I'm like I read pretty voraciously Mm -hmm. in my life but I have no none of these touchstones (laughs) Mm -hmm. that a lot of other readers have because Mm -hmm. I haven't read any of the classics because I wasn't an English major mm-hmm. in college. I wasn't made, I mean, in business, we weren't <laughs> reading like the classics, you know? So I don't have, I have what I read and I use that term loosely in like AP mm-hmm. English in high school. But, but even those, I mean like heart of darkness and all of that, those I guess are considered classics, but not the classics in the way in which I have kind of situated them mm-hmm. in my life. So I don't. So I wanted to read them to uh, because I want to be like I'm smart. I can read that, but I'm like, but I just don't want to. You know, <laughs> I can, but I just don't want to do it. I don't want to put in the work because yeah. there's so many other things I really want to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's what it made me think about Shakespeare because I loved all of the ones that I read, but mm-hmm. I realized that I haven't read all the plays. And yeah. then as I think about reading them now it's not that I am opposed really I just don't know that I'm going to yeah and then that's what made me think about why did I read them before and you know would I gravitate toward it now and maybe not but without some kind of outside motivation whether it be a film that I wanted to watch or a discussion I wanted to take part in and I mean I did there were I mean I loved Othello I love that Mm -hmm. play oh my goodness I love Hamlet and but i think it's hard for me to imagine now and going what you said Sarah I was an English major but I was vehemently averse to the classics when I was that age Uh and so (laughs) because of that I avoided those at all costs (laughs) so there were several classes I was supposed to take that I managed to like work my way around and take others instead that were more cultural and contemporary and world literature instead so mm-hmm. I, I that is the time where I think I would have read a lot of those and honestly I feel some regret that I didn't because at that point in my life I had the time right? yeah and I think that there are ones that I want to read now but I feel like when am I going to make the time for that knowing that I'm giving that time to that instead of something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think I just had a series I was just really lucky so I read a lot of the classics through high school and college But I've always liked to read. I've always been a fast reader. And I just think I had some really good teachers who didn't preach it as this thing that this is the only type of book that matters. Like I had this great Irish lit class where we read James Joyce's Ulysses and we read uh, Beckett and we read some really hard stuff. But that professor also loved Clive Cussler, which if you don't know, is like this pulpy adventure writer. And so he was just someone who just loved a good story 
And so I felt like even though we were reading these books that were classics, the part that he emphasized was these are stories. These are stories that I'm still accessing that still say something to me about my life right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think most of the people who assigned the classics to me approached it that way. And so I think that that is has what has made it still feel relatable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we wrap up, we just wanted to take a minute to give you one. So today our give me one is connected to apps that we think are worth trying. Go ahead. Okay. So (laughs) mine is also just a website, but I'm just going to say it because I think I am in this app every single day. And that is IMDB. It stands for Internet Movie Database. And I, I really do look every day to see you know, who that actor is and what else he or she has been on or what year this movie came out or to link over to critics reviews. So if you have not been on the website or the app, you should try it because it is addictive. It has parent reviews too. So I look at that before my kids watch things. It has, yeah, it was just a wealth of information about (laughs) pop culture, which y'all know I love. (laughs) So my app is going to be pick tap go This is a photo editing app, but it is super quick. And what I use it for most, and I use it almost every day, is to lighten pictures. It has the first, so it has a bunch of different filters on it, but the first one is called Lights On. And if you take a picture that's a little bit dark, you can just bring it into PicTap Go, put the lights on, and it lightens it up and it makes it look much better. So it's super quick and I use it so much it's only i think it costs 2.99 and um, you can do tons of other stuff with it too but i mostly use it to lighten my photos because often they're a little dark so pick tap go 2.99 that's my my (laughs) (laughs) recommendation i wanted to talk about down dog it's a yoga app i didn't think about cost ahead of time though this one does (laughs) this one does have a subscription fee and to me, it's totally worth it. It's $50 for a year, but essentially it is customizable daily practice of yoga. And what I really like about it, and I didn't know that I needed this, but <laughs> what I really need is the ability to be precise about the amount of time I have to do the practice. And I need that to be where I can control that in the moment and I can change it a lot. And so this goes anywhere from a length of four minutes and then it incrementally, like you can add just kind of a minute or two at a time. And then it goes up to, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20, and then it goes all the way up to 90. So what I love about it is just that it's easy to do short practices. And that makes it really difficult for me to have an excuse in the morning, because even <laughs> though it is hectic in my house with little kids, I still can usually spare a few minutes here or there. And so that's um, really helped me post having children to incorporate yoga back into my life whereas before where I was trying to set aside larger chunks of time it felt impossible and so and because of that I wasn't doing it and so this really has been a game changer for me because I feel like in the mornings it's just really easy or in or at night it's really easy for me to say well I have 10 minutes to spare and so I can work this in and then the other thing that I love is that you get something different every day and you can save the ones you like and you can customize the different areas of the body and things like that. But what I really love is that a lot of the programs that I've found prior, it just, you do the same thing for like a week or whatever. And I really want a different thing every day, even if there's a lot of 
similarities between them. And so it has that. And yeah, it's just been a great fit for me. So again, that's Down Dog and it is um, an app on iOS and probably on Android too, but I don't know definitively. Um, so it seems like we haven't changed anyone's <laughs> minds here, but I think maybe spoke, I hope that you heard in one of our perspectives, something that resonates with you and wherever you are on that spectrum, because I think as a community of readers, it is something that we think about and where, where our place is in that. And I mean, I think one thing I have really let go of is the idea that what we have or have not read indicates any kind of worth mm-hmm. of a person or any kind of even like merit at the table of a community of readers. And, you know, so I think that it is a discussion that's worth having for that reason, because I think it's great to read stuff and it's great to to decide it's not for you. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Let us know on Instagram what you all think about this topic. We're on Facebook. What you think about this topic, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, And as always, please take a moment to find us on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And thanks for listening. Bye. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. Unabridged.